Fantastic. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Warm welcome again. My name's Adam. I'm the curate. Um, I'm going to give you just a couple of things to do before we hear our reading uh, this evening. Uh, the, some wonderful helpers have just got up and got some baskets that look like this. In here are pieces of paper and pens. Uh, we're writing your own talk this evening. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, but uh, I do want you to just take a piece of paper and a pen. Uh, and there are two questions. If we could have, Mark, the first uh, slide. Two questions I want you to think about. Um, first of all, what is the thing that you are most gifted at in the world? What is the thing that you know that you are better at uh, than most people? And the second thing, where in this world do you feel most uh, alive? Thanks, Ruth. Um, so those two things, what are you most gifted at? Where do you feel most alive? The curate's asking a question. The answer isn't Jesus on this occasion, uh, nor is it squirrel, if you know that joke. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, where in this place? So, I asked Jess, my wife, this this morning. She said that the thing she's most gifted at is art. That's true. Uh, and uh, the place she feels most alive, most uh, happiest, is when she's out walking our dog. Uh, so, those were two perfectly good answers, uh, hence why I've given them to you. Um, and as you're doing that and you're waiting for pens and paper to come around as well, do chat to the person next to you. If you feel willing to share one of these things with them, do that. If not, just tell them who you are uh, and uh, what day of the week you think it is or something like that, and I'll come back to you in a moment. Two other things you can do in this time if you'd like to. You can get up and turn around. Uh, you can also grab a Bible there at the back on the right-hand side or at the front over the left. I'll give you another minute or so to do those things. About another 30 seconds. I think most people have now got pieces of paper. Fantastic. All being well, you've got an answer to those uh, two questions. Uh, the, our baptism candidates have just come back in wonderfully, so they don't know what they're doing. Uh, 
but it's all right. Have a look at the questions on the board and have a think about those two. I think it'd be good for us to just give another round of applause for our uh, three people that have been baptized. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. You can continue to be thinking about these uh, two questions, uh, but now Katie's going to come and read our passage to us. Thank you, Katie. Tonight's reading comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, and can be found on page 1139 of the Church Bibles. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Katie. Uh, let me pray for us as we begin to think about this passage together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. And Lord, as we come to look at this passage this evening, would you speak to us afresh through it? Would you help us to know it, for it to dwell deeply within us? Would we hear your voice at work in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to begin uh, with a quick apology. Uh, those of you who were here a couple of weeks ago will know that Sammy the dog uh, made an appearance as one of the sermon illustrations. Uh, Sammy the dog is not here this evening. Uh, two reasons for that. One, Jonathan's back from holiday, uh, and I didn't think he'd appreciate it. That's not really why. Uh, the main reason is because the main point I want to talk about this evening is sacrifice, and Sammy didn't want to be a sermon illustration uh, when it came to sacrifice, which I thought was unreasonable, uh, but never mind. I do want to think about sacrifice quite a bit uh, this evening, uh, but actually before that, I want to be faithful to this passage uh, that we have and talk about something else for a moment. We have here in this passage that it is our good and proper worship. Uh, what is, is it? True and proper worship, verse 1 there. There are a number of words in uh, the New Testament Greek which are translated as the word worship. 
Um, various different types of words. This word, worship, here is used a number of times, but actually the worship isn't a particularly good translation here. It would be better translated as service or duty or job. So it is true and proper service, true and proper job. And this fits with why Paul then goes on uh, to talk about the various gifts that there are and the way that we use those in the life of the church uh, around us. We've just heard verses 6 to 8. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If uh, it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is one of several lists of gifts that appear in the New Testament. uh, And it's never the intention that these gift lists of gifts are um, extensive and uh, exclusive. It's not that these are the only gifts that are given to God's people. It's just that these are the ones that are listed here. It might be that your number one, uh, that I got you to write down a moment ago, was one of those list gifts uh, that I've just read there. It might be one of the other gifts. It might be something completely unconnected entirely. That doesn't matter. It's a gift that you have been given uh, by God. All of us are different. All of us have uh, different gifts. Now, I know that a number of people here serve either this church or other churches in various ways. I know that many people here work Monday to Friday or do various things Monday to Friday. I wonder, are you able to use the thing that you put down as number one in either your service in the church or in your work Monday through Friday, Monday to Sunday, maybe? Are you able to do that? Are you able to use that gift for the Lord? We're talking about worship being our whole lives, not just what happens on a Sunday at the moment. It doesn't matter uh, if you are only able to use it in the week. But if you have been given a gift, Paul is very clear here, use that gift for God's kingdom. Many of you will know uh, Lydia. Uh, She was one of our interns until very recently. She's now uh, one of our assistant children and families uh, minister. She's given uh, me permission to share this story. Uh, She uh, did the Living Free course that we teach here down in London for a couple of days. Some people who had never met her before prayed for her and asked God, how is it that you designed Lydia to be? Uh, And one of the people, never met her before, said, I feel like God has placed on your uh, life a a particular gifting in working with children, particularly with young children. Now, if you know Lydia, if you've ever worked alongside Lydia, you'll know that's absolutely uh, true of her. But her response was quite amusing, because she said, well, that's not really a specific gifting that I've been given. That's just something that everyone has. Everyone works well with young children. Young children are easy, aren't they? Um, helpfully, uh, the people that were praying for her suge- suggested that that wasn't the case. Certainly, it's not a gift uh, that I have. It's a gift that Lydia has. And it's been one of my joys that we've been able to release Lydia uh, into working alongside our younger children over the last month or so. Um, one of the, we also talk about authority when we teach living free uh, here and uh, those who are in authority over other people. One of the principal things, one of their principal tasks is to release people into their areas of gifting. 
Uh, that's one of the things that we are called to do, release others into their gifting areas. How often, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone else, do church leaders release people into gaps in their rota rather than releasing people into areas that they are particularly gifted in? Now, of course, we all have to muck in. We all have to do various things, perhaps outside of our main gifting area, in order to see the kingdom of God at work. There are times when we need to do that. Um, I texted Lydia yesterday and asked if it was all right for me to share this uh, story. And I also asked her what area of her life she's not gifted in. Uh, she was apparently with some friends. Uh, some of them, I think, are here. Uh, and uh, she says uh, that she made the mistake of asking her friends what things she's not gifted in. Um, apparently, it wasn't the most of encouraging of evenings for her, uh, which I cannot believe for a moment, because I know Lydia's friends. I know they would want to encourage her and not lift her. Uh, she said that the thing she's least gifted in is probably physics. Uh, it would have been helpful if she'd have given me something like maths that I could more relate to children's work, but never mind. Imagine I, as Lydia's line manager, asked her to do physics 95% of the week. Now, Lydia is servant-hearted and I'm sure would do her best as she could with that. But what a shame it would be if she spent 95% of her week doing physics and no time at all doing the thing that God has called her to do. So if your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If it's cleaning, then clean. If it's designing stuff, design stuff. If it's singing, sing. Whatever it is that God has given you as the gift, whatever it is that is number one that you wrote down on that piece of paper before, do it. Do it for the Lord. So that's my first point. What are you gifted in and are you using whatever it is that you are particularly gifted in for the Lord? Now, I want us to think particularly now about worship as sacrifice. Um, you'll know that some of these uh, talks are coming out of a series done by LICC. Uh, and this is one of them, and they produced this little video to get us thinking about worship as sacrifice. It's about 30 seconds long. Let's just watch this together for a moment. God so loved, reached out, came close, the shining light of heaven on earth, inviting, calling, redeeming, extravagantly sharing his deep wisdom. His glory. So God helping us, let's take our lives, our ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around lives, and place them before him, our God, our King, an offering. Teach, clean, direct in his name. Cook, create, design in his name. Fix, care. Speak in his name. Our lives a river of worship for him who fills all in all. So I've mentioned uh, the word worship appearing in the New Testament a number of times. It appears in the Old Testament as well. The very first time we find the word worship in the Old Testament is in Genesis chapter 22, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, I'm sure uh, you will know uh, that story. Uh, just before we move on to that story, uh, just a little bit of context to that. I'm sure you'll know it. Sarah and Abraham are very old uh, and they long for a child. And they, the Lord tells them that he will give them a son 
even though they are well beyond uh, the normal childbearing age. They have to wait for such a long time for Isaac uh, to come along. We think 24 years they wait uh, for Isaac, longing and hoping. During that time, there's the whole stuff that happens uh, with Hagar uh, and everything else. But still, God is faithful to them and delivers on his promise to them. I don't know if you've ever waited uh, for anything. Uh, I usually manage to last about a week uh, before I get really, really impatient uh, waiting for things. Uh, Sarah and Abraham waited, as I say, 24 years. I don't know if you've waited for something and then received that thing. How precious that thing becomes to you. How delighted you are when you get that. I wonder if Abraham were sat here this evening and I'd asked him to answer those two questions. The second one, probably time spent with Isaac, would have been high on his list. 24 years waiting for Isaac and along he comes. And then the beginning of Genesis chapter 22, uh, God says this. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Now just a little health warning here. Abraham, we know, heard God's voice far better than we ever will. He knew that this was God calling him to do this. There was no question in his mind that God was speaking to him about this. But what is the point of sacrifice? What was the point of sacrifice in Abraham's time? Um, I have, when I was at college, written a very long, very boring essay on Levitical worship and sacrifice. If you're particularly interested, I can send it to you later. It might help you sleep. Uh, It certainly did when I was writing it. (laughs) There are all sorts of different types of sacrifices mentioned through the New Testament, uh, through the Old Testament, sorry. Uh, There are sort of meal offerings, meal sacrifices, sin sacrifices, guilt sacrifices. Here God is very clear that it's a burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice. The idea of a burnt offering is that the whole of the thing that is being sacrificed, usually a lamb, is burnt in, uh, in, in the fire. Symbolizing that the whole of the person uh, is, for whom the sacrifice was offered is offered entirely and devoted entirely to God. The whole of the lamb is, is sacrificed in, in, in symbolism of the whole of the person. And in sacrifice, we offer something of ourselves uh, to God as a sign of our offering ourselves, something that's valuable to us. Now, we know uh, the story goes on, and an angel tells Abraham to stop. We have the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now, I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. God knew his heart and knew that Abraham put God first above everything because of his willingness to sacrifice. Now, we know that from Isaac, Israel, an entire nation, uh, is born. God honors Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac, despite the fact that earlier in his life, Abraham messed up. God honors him. God honors Abraham and gives back to him the things that God is willing, uh, sorry, that Abraham is willing to give to God. Now, I think we sometimes have a bit of a wrong idea about sacrifice. Sometimes we see God sat on his throne, looking at all the things that we like, all the things that we enjoy, all the things that we love, and going, I want to take that, I want to take that, I want to take that. That is not the idea of sacrifice. That is not the picture that we should have of God. 
God wants us to know that everything that we have that is good, everything that we have comes from him. And that we shouldn't sacrifice him in order to worship that thing. We shouldn't make an idol of the things that God has given us because it was God that gave them to us in the first place. We're not to consider them more precious to us than we do God himself. Those famous verses from Mark's gospel where Jesus is asked about taxes and he says, whose picture is on this denarius? And and they tell him it's Caesar. And he says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God. Sacrifice at his heart is about putting God first. And it encompasses our entire life, every part of our lives. There is nothing that should be kept back from God. A good friend of mine once illustrated this using a hand. Uh, I've got a memory stick in my hand. Imagine that this memory stick for the moment is whatever it is that you've written as either number one or number two on your piece of paper. And there are three ways that we can hold this in our hand. First of all, we can hold it with an open hand. In doing this, God is able to grow it. We're saying to God, actually, you can take this if you want to. God is accessing this, but we're holding this open before God. Often what we do is we hold it in a clenched fist, keeping complete control of it, not somehow thinking to ourselves that we're not allowing God to access it. I'm afraid to say he's bigger than your hand, uh, but uh, thinking that for some reason we're keeping it hidden from him. Actually, what I think most of us do is we sort of hold things a bit like this, half open, sort of going to God, God, I sort of want to promise that you can have this, but I'd really rather you didn't do anything with it if that's all okay with you. Ready at a moment's notice to close the hand again. Ready at a moment's notice to take back uh, control of it. Ultimately, as many things, this story is about trust. Abraham knew that he could trust God. He knew that the God who had given him Isaac, who had promised in Isaac and had delivered on that promise, could be trusted once again. We need to trust God in every area of our lives, however difficult or scary that might seem. And it's something that we need to continue to do. Did you notice in our reading that we're called to be living sacrifices? Have you ever considered that's a bit of an oxymoron um, in, its, in itself? Because a sacrifice is something that we, uh, we, uh, is no longer with us, no longer alive, and yet we're called to be living sacrifices. Why is that? I think there are a number of reasons, two of them I want to think about. Firstly, the idea that this is something that we continually do. It's a living and active part of our faith. We continue to do it. It's living and active. And secondly, because we're to continue to do the stuff that we offer to God as sacrifice. Um, I might be a great artist. Let me tell you, I am not a great artist, but I might be a great artist. The wrong idea of this would be to say, God, I know you've given me the gift of art, and so I'm going to sacrifice it to you. And in doing that, that means I'm never, ever going to do art ever again. That would be the wrong idea. That's not what it's supposed to mean. What it means is that you don't put the art before God. You don't put whatever it is before God. God always comes first. Often, what we're called to do does feel a bit like a sacrifice at times. Uh, I hope you realize that I'm called to be a a vicar. That's why I am one. Um, I hope you're not sat there thinking, no, maybe you're not, actually, Adam. It'd be a bit rude, uh, but never mind. (laughs) 
If you are, that's fine. Actually, being a vicar is a bit of a sacrifice. I was earning more money before I was uh, ordained. I had a lot more free time uh, before I was ordained. Uh, But I do this as a sacrifice, part of my living sacrifice for God, because this is the thing that he's called me to. However, if I were to start making being a vicar the thing that I do, my idol in my life, rather than God being the thing that is most important in my life, then I don't suspect that would go particularly well for me. I don't suspect God would be particularly keen on the job being the thing that's important. God always has to be the thing that's important. I hold being a vicar very open-handedly to God, allowing him to be at work in it. Now, there are times uh, when we're called to put things down that we're good at in order to focus on him, sometimes for a season. I was involved in a church elsewhere in the country that was well-known, really well-known, for the worship that they, uh, that they delivered, if that's the right word. The worship songs, the music that they delivered, it was perfect. Every note was on the right beat. Every note was perfect. Um, every, t- every song was perfectly aligned to the next. They, were s- they had made an idol out of the perfection of the singing uh, that they did. Rather than focusing on God in their worship, they focused on making the worship music that's musically sound good. And actually, in that season, for a small season, God called them to lay that down and to have just one guy on a guitar or one girl on a piano or whatever it was to lead that worship differently. God sometimes calls us to lay things down if we completely get them in the way of our relationship with us. Why is it that sacrifice is something that God calls us to? What is it that, that makes, why is it that we have to do this? Why is it our worship, or as we've thought about translated, as our, why is it our service or our duty to God? Well, it's because of the cross. We make these sacrifices out of the response of Jesus, what Jesus did for us on that cross. John 3.16 famously says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave his only Son to die on that cross for us, the ultimate sacrifice. Now, if you've been sat here uncomfortably wondering about whatever it is that that memory stick represents, whatever it is that you've got on your piece of paper and think to yourself, I'm not sure I'm entirely willing to open my hand fully to God. None of what you have written down compares to the sacrifice that God made on that cross for us. We come before God with open hands Recognizing that nothing that we do, nothing that we have, nothing that we've been given compares to the sacrifice that God made for us. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We had communion together last week uh, and we share communion this morning. Uh, We use a version of the communion liturgy here, uh, which is slightly shortened from what we use at the 8 o'clock service. At the 8 o'clock service, there's a prayer that we say, which I really love. Uh, It's this prayer. It's taken from a couple of verses from 1 Chronicles. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. All things come from God. It is out of knowing that that we can offer them to God for him to be at work in, for him to grow in our lives. We're not to hold them closely in a fist. 
but to hold our hands open. This is my prayer for us this evening, that we would know the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty of God, that we would know that everything we have comes from him and that we give it to him. Will you stand with me as I'll pray for us? Maybe the band will come back.